So I'm not a really big fan of those home improvement shows. You know what I'm talking about? Extreme Fixer. I know, Christy, I mean, you're shocked to hear this. I know. Revelation time. Uh, extreme, you know, makeovers and fixer-uppers and, you know, this and that. You know, all, all those shows. But they happen to be on at my house a lot. I don't know who watches them. But uh, they happen to be on my house a lot. And, and when I do watch them, they kind of leave me with this feeling. Um, well, let me explain it. You know, you, you see these people that are like house hunting, right? And they go into these these incredible, lavish houses, right? And, and, and they kind of look at them and they're like, oh, I loved it except the, the master bathroom. It only had, you know, like, 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 like one sink instead of two. I don't know how we're going to share a sink, honey. That's just not going to work. And I'm like, you, you, you can't share with your spouse? You know, you can't let her go first? You haven't figured this out yet, so you need this house to be, you know, like, come on, people. And then, and then they'll, like, tour the kitchen. And I say tour because the kitchen's like amazing and big. And they're like, I don't know if this is going to entertain all the guests that we're going to have in our house. You know, honey, what do you think? I don't know. I don't think so, sweetie. You know, and I'm like, I could fit half the church in that kitchen, you know, and we'd be like, just fine. It would be just fine. And so I watch these shows and I end up like, okay, I end up judging them, you know, like, like, why are they like that? Why do they do that? It's not right. It's not fair. Um, and and it's kind of like that feeling maybe you get when you go to the mall and you're walking around everybody's like buying stuff and and, and it's just it's just that consumer mindset right and and then i kind of stop and i think well where does that show up in my life because i know probably the people on the fixer upper shows you know maybe they're christian maybe they're not i have no idea but i think all of us have a little bit of that in us that we kind of like we want more we live in a culture of more and then if i think about that spiritually I think one of the dangers is, I'm just going to say it, if you live a godly life, like, like, like if you try to please Christ and have good character and raise your kids to have good character, don't you sometimes say to yourself, I deserve more because it's me, you know? And I please God, and I and I do what's right. You know, don't I deserve more? And and I, I want to kind of get at that that whole notion of I deserve more. So I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles to First Timothy chapter six. Would you turn to First Timothy chapter six? And we are looking at First Timothy six verse. Uh, six. Let me set it up before we read this, though. This is a familiar passage to many. Um, Paul is writing and warning about false teachers. And what he's saying about them is, basically he says, these false teachers are, are coming into your, your villages and your churches, and what they're doing is, they are acting very godly, and it's a sham. It's fake. They're acting godly so that you pay them to teach you. And he says their teachings are actually dividing people. They're divisive. They're not teaching according to what Christ has said. But but he's saying you end up supporting them financially, and what they're doing is not even giving you the truth. So so why are you giving your money to them? You know. So here he's picking up. Let's pick it up in um, verse five. Um, maybe even verse four, middle of verse four. From these come envy, quarreling, slander, evil suspicions, 
constant disagreement among people whose minds are depraved and deprived of the truth, who imagine that godliness, there's a word, godliness is a way to material gain. It's a means of gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world that we can take nothing out. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. So um, I wanted to talk tonight about contentment. And we are going to respond with worship. There's going to be worship to follow. Um, so I want to talk about contentment tonight. And, and I'm not trying to say tonight that, that like over here is contentment with what I've got and over here is like ambition. Like I think it's okay over time that you, you get raises at work and you take different positions and, and they're greater responsibility. I think that's fine. But I do want to deal with this, this issue of what I have right now and my need for more. My need for more. And so um, I want to talk about this word contentment and we'll put the word up behind me. Here's the word I just read, uh, back one. Um, contentment, um, autarkeia, or autarkeia, literally it means self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. I don't use that, I, 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 don't, I don't use it based on that definition, self-sufficiency, because the idea was philosophers would talk about autarkeia, and when they said it, philosophers, when they talked about it, they, what they meant was that I don't owe anybody anything. I'm completely self-sufficient. Nobody's taking care of me. And that's the way you ought to be. Philosophers would talk about self-sufficiency. When Paul uses it, though, I don't think he means that. I think he means this virtue called contentment, where what I have right now is sufficient, and I'm not longing for more. What I have right now is sufficient, and I'm not longing for more. I think Paul's talking about the virtue of contentment, and I think when the philosopher said it, literally, and I've heard some pastors write about this. I mean, I've written their, 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 the stuff they put out there, and they'll use that word literally. I don't think Paul means it literally. I think he means it as a virtue. Um, and he means it as, uh, Christ has provided me with what I have, and I'm content with it. So that's contentment. Um, what I want to do then is, Talk about, like, what does the path to contentment look like? Like, how do I become more content with what I have? It's good that we talk about this before Black Friday. This is like the perfect time to talk. But it's perfect, you know, because it's Thanksgiving and, and we have a lot. <clears throat> so, here we go. Let's look at verse 6 together. Um, he just said that godliness, uh, these, these false teachers are treating godliness as a means of gain. Like, like, I'm acting godly so that you pay me, so that I teach you, and I'm teaching you false teachings. Like, that's what's going on, okay? Now he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So Paul turns it around, and, and what he says is, no, really, guys, um, godliness is a great gain, godliness, but it's godliness with contentment. So you've got to have contentment with it. It's not trying to get more. Godliness itself is um, that I'm not longing for more. What I'm longing for is godliness. That's point one. So I want to be more content. So why don't you long for godliness 
and not for wealth. Why don't you prioritize godliness over wealth? I mean, that's what he's getting at here. So um, he's, he's contrasting the two things um, of, of their desire for gain and, and then the desire just for godliness in itself. And so, I mean, if you think about it, if you ask yourself this question, what, what, what do I think more about? What, what, what do I want more? You know, you, you might want this kind of a house, this kind of a car, this kind of stuff, this kind of paycheck. I want those things and I work towards them. Earlier in First Timothy, though, Paul says, train yourself for godliness. So do you work at that? In Philippians, Paul actually says, um, I've learned the secret of being content. I've learned. I've learned. doesn't come naturally. It's something that I have to learn. I have to train myself for. But as I train for it, as I know that's the goal, then I start to see that godliness is more valuable than wealth. And I begin to train more and look at that as a higher priority. Moving on. That's verse 6. Uh, verse 7 says this, For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out. We can take nothing out. So um, here he's talking about, um, it's kind of like the, uh, I heard uh, John Piper say this once, that if you ever watch a hearse, they're never pulling a U-Haul, you know, because you can't, you can't take it with you, you know. And so he says, you know, this is how it is. You brought nothing in, you can't take it out. And yet, what I can think one thing that means is all my stuff is temporary. It's all temporary. Eventually, somebody else is going to get the house. They're going to get the stuff. They're going to get the money. I can't take it with me, and it's silly to think differently. And, and you know, we, we kind of know that, right? The, the pharaohs like to be buried with all their wealth. And we think it's silly because we dig it up. But, but there it all is. You know, that's, that's right where they left it. They couldn't take it with them. And so, um, number two, then, is this. Let's let's understand that possessions don't define our life. Let's let's understand that possessions don't define us. Um, I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, I used to work at a um, a clothing store in the mall. I'm not going to tell you which one because you'll judge me. Um, but uh, I used to work at a clothing store in the mall for a little while for one summer, and. Uh, one of the things they told me, this is like the management uh, training the new guy, you know, and they said, Niall, um, we have two kinds of clothes in our store, only two. We have clothes that are kind of like they're, they're classics. They never go out of style. Like the polo shirt section, you can wear that 10 years from now, and it's still going to be a good item to wear. Everybody wears the polo shirts, the polo style shirts. But he says, we also have a second kind of clothing, and that's the trendy stuff. And that's the stuff like, this year it looks good, next year it won't. We're going to put it on the clearance rack at the end of the season. We're going to get rid of that whole thing. Someone's going to think they got a deal, but they didn't really get a deal because no one's wearing that anymore. You know, Two kinds of clothing. The, the stuff that's always looking good and the stuff that is trendy and it won't look good next year. That's how it is. And, and, and we tend to think that the, the, the brand that I wear, the car that I drive, says something about me. Like, I think as Americans, aren't we like really into stuff saying something about us? You know? Any of you Apple fans here? What does that say about you? You know? Put your head down. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Oh, it's me. It's me. You know? Uh, the, the brand on your clothing, what does that say about you? You have really great taste. And, and I feel that. I, I know that. I do it. Um, 
somehow I think that what I own says something important about me to other people. The kind of car that you drive. What your house looks like. It all says something, right? And we fall into this trap. And Paul says, you didn't come into the world. You came into the world completely naked. Think about that for a second. Not the person next to you, please. But, but think about you. You came into the world naked. You didn't come in with a designer brand on. You didn't come in with any, any, any branding. No tattoos, right? Um, and if that's the way you came in, and this is the way you're going out, why do you let that stuff define your life on the in-between? That's a good question. You know, possessions don't define you. Um, that's a good word for us that like the nice stuff, right? Be content. Um, verse 8, take a look at that. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. We will be content with these. Now, I mean, that's, that's just a horrible verse, isn't it? You know, if I have food and clothing, that's enough. Easy for the guy in prison to write that, right? You know, uh, he's got a roof over his head uh, paid for by the Roman government, right? Um, and, and here we are, like, I, I know we need a roof over our head. We know we need food and clothing. I, I, I don't think... I don't think he's saying food and clothing is all you need. Get rid of everything else. Like you don't take it to the other extreme, please. But I think what he is saying, and this is the next slide, that uh, let's be content in our current circumstances. Let's be content with the necessities of life and, and, and whatever you have currently. Be content in that and in every circumstance. And I say every circumstance because Paul's written on this elsewhere. Uh, Philippians 4 is another great passage for this where he says, I've learned the secret of being content in plenty, and I've learned the secret of being content in, in want. Like, when I, when I had abundance, I was content. When I only had a little, I was content. So the question would be, do, do you know how to do that? Do you know how to have a lot and be happy with that? Do you know how to have a little and be happy with that? Think for a moment. Um, Go back 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. What was your first house like? Or, or, or the first place you lived, your, your apartment? Like, like, how big was that? How great was that? Think about your first job. How does that paycheck compare to what you're getting paid now? Okay, you got that on your mind? Now, keeping that in mind, how content, how happy were you with your circumstances back then? Just, just curious. I'm not asking you to tell me out loud, but how happy were you? How satisfied were you during that first job in that apartment? For us, it was a little duplex, and we had really loud neighbors above us that would fight. It always seemed like on Saturday night or youth group night, whenever there was something going on, you know, they'd always have this big blowout fight, and we heard like every word, you know. Um, not good. But how happy were you then? Were you happier then than you are now? And if you have more now, why would you have been happier then? I, I, I don't know what your answer is. But I think it's an interesting question to ask. Do you know how to be content with a little? And do you know how to be content with more? Because if you didn't learn it when you had a little, you probably aren't learning it now with a lot. I mean, that's just the truth of it right here. Let's be content in our current circumstance and every circumstance, and if you lost it all today, and all you had tomorrow was a little bit of food and some clothing, 
would you still be the same in your contentment? Paul clearly thinks it's possible. May it be true of us. And then finally, the last stop on this little path we're taking tonight is, uh, Paul says in verse 9, But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires, which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. So let's say it like this. Let's beware of the terrible danger, the terrible twin dangers of loving money. I don't know if you ever thought about this, you know, but uh, Paul clearly says there's two really bad dangers when it comes to loving money. When, When you long for stuff more than you long for Christ and godliness, here's the danger that you run into. He says there's two. One is you can wander from the faith. That, that you could want the stuff of this world so much that in Jesus' words you would lose your soul. You just wander away from the truth because your focus is on uh, earthly possessions. But secondly, he would say, the second one is you could pierce yourself. I mean, so I think about the being stabbed, this, this searing pain and stabbing pain with many Many different griefs and sorrows. So, two dangers. If I love money, that that is a, there's a very da- there's a very real danger of being led away from Christ, or being led towards pain and sorrow because of what I'm doing to get that money. Right? Those are the twin dangers. And I think we ought to all stop and pause and and take a look at what I started this message with. Is, is my ambition for uh, the larger paycheck, the bigger house, the bigger toys, is my ambition uh, of such size, uh, the Greek word is megas, you know, that, that, that it's greater gain, that you be godly. Is it, is it so great that it crowds out my desire, my pursuit, my training for godliness? Is it crowding it out? Because if it is, we've got a big, big problem. Because eventually that's going to hurt me and hurt others. Or it's just going to take me away from Christ. And that's disaster. Uh, the, The big word would be that's apostasy. It's walking away from your Savior. So um, here's what I want to do. I want, I want to end with the secret of contentment. So I would ask you to turn back to Philippians 4. You've heard me mention it twice. Uh, maybe you started thinking about it already, but if you would go back to Philippians 4 with me, here's, here's Paul's thing on how are you going to be content? How do you get this done in your life? Uh, Philippians chapter 4, we'll do verse 10. He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that once again you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know both how to have a little, I know how to have a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by sharing with me in my hardship. You know, he's kind of like, look, if you send me a gift, I'm still appreciative of that gift. I mean, I do have a need for it. But beyond 
having stuff, beyond having food, beyond having what I need in the moment, I have Christ. And Christ is of such value to me that it makes it makes the paycheck, the car, the house, the toys, the possessions, the bank account, the savings account, the retirement account, it makes all that stuff look smaller. I am so satisfied with Christ. And just to know that that's the goal, that if my desire is not for Christ and my desire is for this stuff, that there's a huge danger, um, that that renews my, my purpose in my own heart to know Christ more, to follow him more closely, to train to be godly in my attitude and my actions, so that in any circumstance I can be content. So when you go into your Thanksgiving Day celebration tomorrow and the table is full, may you be content. And if times are tough and it's a meager showing for Thanksgiving, I pray you'd be just as content as a person down the road that you'd be just as content in any single circumstance that you find yourself in. That's the possibility you have in Christ, and only for those that are in Christ. Worship team, come on up. We're going to pray, and we're going to continue in our worship. Father, you have blessed us with all the spiritual blessings in Christ. We are a rich, rich people spiritually. We also know that many of us, when we look at the rest of the world, we, we have so much materially that, that we're not going to go hungry tomorrow. And that that comes from your hand. May we when, we, when we stop and look at what we have and the abundance of it, may we be content. May we be happy. And may we not long for more. May we not long for more. May we long for more of you. May we learn the secret of contentment that in Christ we have all the strength we need for this life, whether in plenty or in want. We thank you for all you've given us. May we walk this path of contentment well. In Christ's name, amen.